The religion section. I finished with race and racism, and now we're going to get into the nitty, nitty, nitty gritty. We're going to get into religion. Now, in order to keep continuity with what we taught last time, because I just got into it at the very tail end of the hour, I want to go back and then move on from there. Religion has been the most flagrant perpetrator of racism in the world. In particular, the Christian church in America has been the leader of racism in the world, and particularly in America. The foundation for this has been the fear of miscegenation or interracial marriage. When blacks were first brought to this country... The lie was hatched that blacks were inferior, really just animals, and therefore needed to be, be kept segregated from whites, particularly the white female. To show how far some will go to show that the black man is inferior, I quote from a book entitled The Tempter of Eve. The Tempter of Eve by Charles Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, Adamic Publishing Company, that's A-D-A-M-I-C, St. Louis, Missouri, 1902, page 255, I quote, The white is the highest and the Negro the lowest of the so-called five races of men. Now, let me pause right there for the benefit of people that have not been in on the entire series. You're just getting a part of it. You're jumping on a train that's already been moving now for 17, 18 weeks. 20. Thank you very much. 20 weeks. And uh, if you don't understand the connections here, then you could, be, you, you could take offense at this and, and think that I'm being uh, judgmental. But if you have not noticed, we have in this country, America the land of the free, the home of the brave. In God, we trust. We have a very serious problem with racism, racial prejudice, racial and color prejudice. And it's never really been addressed face on in depth. And that's what my assignment is. And... What we have to do if we're going to eradicate it and get it out of the church, then we have to go back and find out the origin. Why do people think the way they do today about whatever? You are today the result of yesterday. And you are today what tomorrow will be. So if we don't like today, we better fix it or tomorrow will be a repeat of yesterday. So it's necessary to go back and dig up the roots. Find out why do people have the ideas that they do? Why do they think the way they do? See? 
And so we have to go back and find out, you know, why, why do people think black people are inferior? Why do black people, many, feel inferior? Well, that's not genetically transmitted, as I've said often. It doesn't come in the genes. You don't get it by blood transfusion. It's socially transmitted. You know, like across the dinner table, dining room table, back in front seat of the car, in the bedroom. That's where it comes from, not genetic, not in the genes. So we need to find out, well, why, I mean, why do intelligent people do unintelligent things like despise, look down on, and hate other people just because of the complexion of their exterior? We need to find that out, see? It, it's, it's, it's troublesome, pain in the backside to do it, traumatic, but it has to be done. I said it before, and I, I need to repeat it. I mean, a doctor, a surgeon that's going to perform an operation, I don't think that most, most surgeons just do the job because they like blood. They get a chance to dig in some blood, get all splattered with blood, but it takes that to save the patient's life. Sometimes surgeons have to perform surgery for hours on somebody to save their life. It's not a pleasant job per se. It's not a clean job per se. They get all blood everywhere, you know, and the stench and the, the foulness of it all. But that's what it takes to get the patient well or at least put them in position where they can get well. And so that's what's happening here. Dr. Price is performing surgery. I don't know about you, but I want the patient to live, not die. So whatever it takes, that's what we got to do. So I want you to understand that. Now, let me go back again. Quote, the white is the highest and the Negro the lowest of the so-called five races of men. And they present the most striking contrast to each other in their physical and mental characters. Their modes of life, habits, customs, manner, language, gestures, etc. End of quote. Mr. Carroll goes on to say on page 286 and 287, and I quote, But with this interesting family of animals... Shading up from the Lemur, L-E-M-U-R, small monkey, to the Negro, we are able with the assistance of the scriptures. Now, I want, every, I want you to get this because we're trying to find the roots. Why do people think the way they do? See, it's a program thing, but we need to understand where the program came from, how the program, program works so that we can interrupt the program and change the program. But if we don't know, then it looks, you know, it's, it's a mystery and you'll never be able to solve it. All right? We are able with the assistance of the scriptures. See, racism in the church was spawned by the ministry. And therefore, it filtered into society. Started in the church. Started with the so-called preachers of the gospel. They were the primary purveyors of this garbage about inferior and superior and all the other things connected with racial or ethnic pride, prejudice, etc. See? 
and they try to wrap it in the authenticity of the Bible. And that's why a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. They want to have anything to do with Christianity. See? And that's a, that's, that's a horrible thing for Jesus to have to go through after he gave so much to redeem us all. For those that are supposedly called by him to prostitute the ministry to their own personal, selfish idiosyncrasies and prejudices. Listen carefully. We are able with the assistance of the scriptures and the sciences to determine that the Negro is one of the ape family. That he simply stands at the head of the ape family as the lion stands at the head of the cat family. Hence the lower apes, though unfit for general domestic purposes, are invaluable in that they enable us to determine beyond question the Negro's true position in the universe, that he is merely an ape. End of quote. Mr. Carroll further states on page 287, I quote, Besides, it should be borne in mind that though the Negro is omnivorous, he manifests a strong preference, preference for the flesh of man as an article of food. The characteristics clearly identified the Negro as the creature. Oh, pick up on this. Uh, the characteristics clearly identified the Negro as the creature described in the scripture as the beast of the field. End of quote. On page 391, Mr. Carroll says, I quote, Dr. Clark, whoever Dr. Clark was, seemed like I think he was some biblical scholar. Dr. Clark manifested a commendable independence of thought and action when he abandoned the absurd theory of the modern clergy that the tempter of Eve was a snake. He made a creditable advance upon the snake theory when he proved the tempter of Eve an ape. Yet, it is at once a matter of surprise and regret that after thus advancing so far in the right direction, he should have stopped at one of the so-called anthropoids, the orang, an orangutan, which is a monkey, when a step further would have taken him to the Negro, the identical ape he was seeking. The Negro meets all the requirements of the case. He is the only animal that does. He possesses the erect posture, articulate speech, and more reasoning capacity than any other animal. These characteristics place him at the head of the apes and consequently at the head of all inferior animals for wisdom and understanding. Besides, the Negro is an inveterate talker, babbler, and is with one of the most noisiest animals in the world. <laughs> End of quote. Now, you see, you laugh at the absurdity of this. You know, you wonder how can an intelligent person concoct such a story? But the church and primarily the white church, and don't take this personally. I'm sorry, y'all are the ones 
that are the majority. You started this stuff. It wasn't blacks that went to Europe and grabbed white folk and brought them over here and put them in slavery. It was your ancestors, white folks. Now, I don't mean that, you know, personally, so don't take it personally, but we, we need to know this is your heritage. This, this, this is a white man writing this. And I have some information that I'm going to read you in just a few moments. That is present tense. That will show you, remember now that book, copyright 1902. 96 years ago. But this stuff is still alive today. Follow on. Mr. Carroll goes on to say on page 402, I quote, all the circumstances indicate that the beast of the field which tempted Eve was a negress. The word negress is a word coined for a black female. You know, this is a black woman. Now, now, now get this. All the circumstances indicate that the beast of the field which tempted Eve was a negress who served Eve in the capacity of maidservant. End of quote. On page 405, he puts the icing on the cake with this statement. I quote, they're, Adam and Eve, they're acting, I quote, they're acting upon the advice of the Negress by eating the forbidden fruit was their second offense. When they accepted the Negress as their counselor, they necessarily descended to social equality with her. This reveals the startling fact that it was man's social equality with the Negro that brought sin into the world. Yeah, just these be your ancestors. Don't be, don't be looking at me like that. These are your folks. These are your people. Grandfathers, great-grandfathers. That's how this stuff got here. Doesn't it feel? It doesn't feel good, does it? Well, we, it doesn't feel good to us to be called an ape either. So it's, you know, just let's, we're all in this thing together. We're monkeys and y'all are responsible for the lie that started. So we're all in the same bag. So don't be looking at me strange. You get a chance to feel how it feels to be hurting for 400 years. Didn't call no names. It's not personal. Don't get offended. The truth will make you free. And this is, this is, this, 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 this is awesome. Listen to this. This being true, it follows that man's social equality with the Negro will keep sin into the world and will bring upon man the just condemnation of God. Scriptures, God. Notice how the Bible is scriptures, God. Besides, man's social equality with the Negro tends to political and religious equality. And these three, or any one of them, inevitably leads to amalgamation itself, the most infamous and destructive crime known to the law of God. End of quote. That's why they fight so hard and try to show that 
can't let no black and white folks get together sexually. Be a pollution of the worst kind. Bring the judgment of God on us. End of the quote. Now, this would, we could call past history. But let us bring it up to today. I was just handing some information. I didn't have this. This was not a part of my thing, but people are giving me things now and then. My uh, grandson, Alan Evans, is in uh, college. He's in the University of California at uh, Santa Barbara. And there is a black lady who is the head of the Black Alumni Association at UCSB. She said it was difficult. Now, my daughter, you heard this. My, my oldest daughter, Angela, who is Alan's mother, was at the school and heard this with her ears. This is just recently. This lady, she said it was difficult in the 60s when she went to college because of the community bathrooms. When she went to take her shower, a white girl was staring at her. And when she asked her what she was looking at, she replied, well, you don't have a tail. But hey, we just read it. See, it's been going on all the time, see. You don't have a tail. I wonder where she learned that. Maybe she was reading Mr. Carroll's book, or maybe her father, because, you know, we're talking about college kids, 18, you know. I mean, she, wasn't, she didn't live in 1902. I, I wonder where she learned that. I just kind of wonder where she got that. See, so when you laugh at it and you think it's, you know, far-fetched, sorry. Now, let's go an another step further to bring it up to date. Now, I want you to repeat these words after me. It is, it is not, not Dr. Price's Purpose, purpose to personally, to personally attack, attack any, individual, any individual, be he black or white, black or white brown, red, or yellow. Brown, red, or yellow. It is not, it is not Dr. Price's, Dr. Price's purpose, purpose to, find to find fault with any individual, any individual. As, such. as such, but it is, but it is. Dr. Price's purpose. To ferret, out to ferret out the truth, the truth that will make us all free. Therefore, therefore don't, take don't take it personally when Dr. Price, Dr. Price speaks, speaks on an issue. On an issue. It, is it is not personal. personal. Okay. You got that? You got that? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
All right. Index, D-A-K-E-S, Dakes Annotated Reference Bible. Dakes Annotated Reference Bible by Finnis, F-I-N-I-S, Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S, Dake. First print printing, May 1963. Six printing, December 1971. We have what appears. Say appear. appears. Say appears. appears. Say appears. appears. Say appears. appears. No, 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 no. With emphasis. Say appears. appears. You almost got it. One more time. Say appears. Okay, say it again. Appears. Okay, now remember, the Bible says abstain from the very appearance of evil. So I'm saying this appears. Remember now, I am an animal. I am a monkey. But I'm the smartest of the animals. Remember, because I'm black, I'm at the head. So I, I have greater thinking capacity than the lower animals below me. So as I'm reading this, it uh, it appears. I don't know. I don't know the man. Never met the man. But I'm going by what it appears like. And the reason I am is because the Bible says to abstain from the appearance of evil. And racism is evil. Racial color prejudice is evil. It's evil. Because the Bible says that if it's not a faith, it's sin. And when you have a color, ethnic, racial prejudice against any other ethnic group, you have sinned against God's creation because God made them that color. And so you are in essence saying to God, you are a dumb, stupid creator because you create inferior product line. Because you created them black folk and they inferior. So that's an inferior product line. So if the product is inferior, so must be the manufacturer. You're in sin. We have what appears to be the same kind of thinking. I said appears to be. We have to remember that appearances are extremely important. Even in the Bible, I just quoted it, but you can write this scripture down, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, which tells us about abstain from the appearance of evil. It tells us to avoid or abstain even the appearance of evil. I believe, as I just said, racism is evil. What do you believe? Now, before we actually get into Dake's explanation, 
I think that it will be of interest for us to look at another opinion of how things can appear to be seen as racist in content. Content. I am a black man, and some of the explanations that Mr. Day gives sound very racist to me. I said, sounds very racist to me. Now, let's look at what another man sees in Mr. Dake's Bible. This time, we will look at the opinion of a white man. In fact, this man is a Hebrew scholar from his book entitled All God's Children by Stephen L. McKenzie, K-E-N-Z-I-E, Associate Professor of Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, Rhodes College, Memphis, Tennessee, copyright 1997 by Stephen L. McKenzie. On page three and four, Professor McKenzie says, and I quote, I shall never forget the session of a course I was teaching on the book of Genesis several years ago that treated the story from Genesis 9 on the so-called curse of Ham. This passage, or rather interpretation of it, provided the historical... Now, now you know this has got to be right. You know this has got to be true because the white man is saying this. Doesn't that sting? That hurts, doesn't it? Well, just, just, just remember, we've been going through it for 400 years. So don't, you know, don't feel bad. And again, it is not personal. It's unfortunate. I hate this. I mean, I don't relish this. I don't like this. But I have an assignment. I have an assignment. Somebody's guy ain't nobody done it up till now. And that's why the ugly thing is still, still alive and well. So, this, is, this, be a, this, be, this be the white man talking. I shall never forget the session of the course I was teaching on the book of Genesis several years ago that treated the story from Genesis 9 on the so-called curse of Ham. This passage, or rather interpretation of it, provided the historical and theological basis among Southern Christians prior to the single war, uh, civil war, for legitimating black Slavery. Uh, you, no, you didn't get that, did you? Oh, you didn't like that, did you? Let me, let me, let me read that again. Let me read that. This passage, or, or rather interpretation of it, provided the historical and theological basis among Southern Christians prior to the Civil War for legitimating black slavery. This is the white man talking. I have since become aware that the abuse of this passage for racial oppression is not nearly so defunct as I suppose it to be. I have heard a white supremacist preacher on television try to give this interpretation legitimacy by couching it in the guise of a reasoned explanation of the text. 
I have even discovered a study Bible, Dake's Annotated, still being published in Georgia, that offers this racist explanation as the meaning of Genesis 9. End of quote. Now, the black man, it appears to the black man that is racist, and it appears to the white professor of Old Testament Hebrew as racist. Now, accuse him of being an angry black. I remind you that this is an opinion of a white man and not the ravings of an angry black man. Now, I need to say this because I know, uh, I can imagine how it sounds. But see, you have to understand, I, I'm, just, I'm just me. I'm very direct. Everybody can't handle it. I know that. I'm not for everybody because everybody can't, they can't, you know, you got to pussyfoot around and soft pedal it, soft soap it, put some, put some cherry flavor on and all that. That ain't me. I cut to the chase. You know. <laughs> Now, that's not good or bad or right or wrong. That's just me. So you need to understand that. So it's not like, and I, I, I can, when I hear it coming out of my mouth, I can, I can, I mean, I can, I can imagine that some folk like to get out of here right now. <laughs> but, but, but see, sometimes certain ailments require extreme measures to eradicate them. They're not pleasant. Everybody knows about my wife going through the cancer thing. So I had a, wasn't reading anybody's books. I wasn't watching some documentary on television. I was there, bedside, table side, while she was going through it. And I could see what the stuff that they gave to help eradicate the thing is more deadly than the disease. And if it's not properly handled, it can kill you quicker than the disease can. It's radical. But apparently, appearance now, apparently that's all they have right now. Or at least that's all they'll let us have right now. No, it's big business. Cancer is big business. But it's radical and it, it can destroy as well the bad as the good. But that disease, you can't play with it. You cannot sugarcoat cherry flavor and mess around with that because that stuff was shown up. You get my best English? Shown up, kill you, graveyard dead. So you got to go in there. Boy, they put that radiation stuff on there. That radiation will kill Goliath. But it sometimes takes very, very strong measures. Are you following me? So this is the way God has led me to do this because this disease, we've been, both been pussyfooting around with it, messing with it, cherry flavoring and sugar coating it. Time for radiation and chemotherapy. And I be the doctor. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. All right. Let's look at this, and you be the judge. Remember, 
My point and purpose is not to accuse anybody of, but the only thing that any of us can ever judge anybody by is what we hear or see coming from their lives. Jesus himself said it. The tree is known by its fruit. I didn't write that. The tree is known by its fruit, see? So appearances. Now watch this. In a special section of Dake's annotated Bible, notes on Acts of the Apostles, Mr. Dake lists, and I quote, 30 reasons for segregation of races. End of quote. Number one, 30 of them. I'm going through every single one of them. And here's why. Going back to the biblical pronouncement, abstain from the... I can't hear you. Appearance of evil. All right, number one. I quote, God wills. It's always God. God wills all races to be as he made them. Get this, any violation of God's original purpose manifests insubordination to him, end of quote. All right, let's find out. And then he uses these scriptures. Acts chapter 17. Let's go there. Acts chapter 17. All right, in the 17th chapter of Acts, verse 26, it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God has made out of one blood. He uses this scripture to support this idea that the races should be segregated. Because of the fact where it says, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. All right, go to Romans chapter 9. In the ninth chapter of Romans, beginning with verse 19. Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, 
and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Now, these are the scriptures that Mr. Dake uses to tell us that God wills that all races to be as he made them, and any violation of God's original purpose manifests insubordination to him. Now, what I get out of that is that what Mr. Dake is saying, that if you black, you must stay black, within black, marry black, have communion with black in the most intimate ways that people have communion. It would always be with black. Whites with whites, reds with reds, browns with browns, yellows with yellows. All right. Now, it's real easy to find out where these people are coming from, see? Very easy. All we got to do is go to the Scripture, because if what Mr. Dake says is true, it should be easily substantiated by Scripture. We should find verse after verse, Scripture after Scripture, illustration after illustration that indicates God wants the races to stay separated. Is that reasonable? Japanese must always marry Japanese. Koreans must always, you know, interface with Koreans. Are you following me? Hispanics must always be with Hispanics. Whites with white, black with black, Filipinos with Filipinos, Indians with Indians, Indians from the um, Asia Indian, Native American with Native American. Okay? So we ought to find, now watch this, we ought to find scripture to support that. And most importantly of all, we should find no scriptures that would go contrary to that. Because then God could be accused of being double-minded. So, let's see what the Bible says. What does that really mean when he says God's willed all races to be as he made them? Any violation of God's original purpose manifests insubordination to God. What does that really mean if it is not a racist point of view? The Bible refutes it so many times that it is almost laughable. Let's see what the Bible says about this idea of intermingling of races or the real issue. Interracial marriages. How about Abraham and Hagar? Let's go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. All right, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, 3, and 4. Well, let's begin with verse 1. It said, Now Sarai, or Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a Hebrew maidservant, whose name was Hagar. What? Uh, excuse me? I can't hear you. No, Abraham and Sarah were Hebrew. So obviously Sarah would have a Hebrew maid. But according to my Bible... It says she had an Egyptian. Now watch this. Watch this. 
Verse 2, so Sarah said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. Verse 4. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Verse 15. Same chapter. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And I haven't found any scripture nowhere where God objected to it. I said, excuse me, I said I find no scripture where God objected. Right now, with just one scripture, we have blown Mr. Dake's theory. However, it would be unfair to stop there because the Bible principle is in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we will move on to witness number two. Genesis chapter 17, next chapter over. Uh, 17, verse 18. Now, this is, this, is, this, is talking about, this is talking about Abraham's son that was born to Hagar the Egyptian. Verse 18. And Abram, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Now, Abraham never, uh, God never got on Abraham's case for having that boy and having that Egyptian. Looked like it didn't make any difference to God. God went right on and blessed the union of the Hebrew and the Egyptian. So what is your problem? Abraham's union with Hagar is one of the first interracial marriages recorded in the Bible. Hagar was an Egyptian. We, are, we just read it. Descended from Ham. <laughs> to use a very familiar euphemism, hello. <laughs> Hagar was Egyptian. Descended from Ham. She became the mother of Ishmael, from which the Arab nations are descended. Now, what about Moses and his Ethiopian wife? Numbers chapter 12, if you please.
God wills all races to be as he made them. Then how come God let Abraham have sexual intercourse with an Egyptian, marry her, she become his wife, he have a child and God bless the child. Are you really that stupid? I didn't call any names. Don't take it personally unless you're stupid. <laughs> Number chapter 12, verse 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And Ethiopia come from Ham. And Ethiopians are not white, but they be black. Amen. Verse 2. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. Is there a prophet among you? I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark saying. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly... Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us. Where else were you going to lay it, turkeys? You were the ones that jumped the man in the first place. See, they were so right before the Lord intervened. They were so right. They were against Moses. And, and we got the reason why. So all you racists, listen carefully. We, we have the reason why. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of. Now, don't that tell you the reason why they spoke? Doesn't the words because of tell you why they spoke? Because of. That's the reason why. Are you here? All right, listen. Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Wasn't shacking with her. He married her. If he married her, that means that she became his wife. He be Hebrew. She be black. Ethiopian. And God did not get on Moses. He got on those who criticized Moses. You better put a Teflon zipper on your mouth. 
Let's go on. Verse 11. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly. And all the racists from that time up to now have been foolish. They're all fools acting very foolishly. He said, watch this now. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Oh, oh, so the opposers of interracial marriage are sinners. They've sinned. I didn't write it. Don't drop your rocks. Hey, can you read? Aaron said, we have sinned. Verse 12, please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. kind of look like God didn't have a problem with this interracial couple. What's your problem, Mr. and Mrs. Superior? Now, take note that the word Ethiopian is the Hebrew word Cushite. Go to Genesis 10. Let's find out the origin of Cush. So you won't just be thinking I'm dreaming this up. All right, you got Genesis 10? Ha! Look at verse 6. The sons of Ham were Cush. Stop right there. You don't need to go no further. <laughs> don't need to go no further. I mean, you can read the rest, but I mean, that tells it all. Talk to me. Ham. Now, y'all said Ham was cursed black. So if Ham was cursed black, then all of his children had to be black. So if Ham was black and Cush was his son, then Cush had to be black. So if Moses was a Hebrew and white, he married a black. What's your problem? Now, here, I've said it all the way through this year. I don't give a care about interracial marriage. I'm not pushing for interracial marriage. That's not my thing at all. But that's the hang-up that white folks have. Racists, not all, we know that. Please don't be offended. But that's the, that's the bugaboo. That's the, that's the problem. Mixing that inferior with the superior. That's how this stuff started in 1619, okay, in this country. And it was spawned by the church, see? Well, I, I don't understand. If God ha has no problem with it, why do you have a problem with it? I mean, look like if God was upset about the situation, he should have got on Moses or the Ethiopian woman. He didn't. He got on the criticizers. Don't that tell you something? Moving right along. We are told that Cush was one of Ham's son, therefore making Moses' wife black. Let's look now at Solomon and Rahab. Joshua chapter 2, if you please. Now, I've already given you two witnesses, so I am scripturally in line. But we're going beyond. 
I'm going to give you so much scripture that I'm going to wrap it around your racist neck and choke out all the red. All I said was neck and red. Well, I mean, what's the problem? I have on red. I don't have a problem with it. Joshua chapter 2, please. And beginning, or we'll read verse 1. Joshua 2. Now, you, you have to follow this re- very carefully because this is going to blow all your circuits, what I'm getting ready to show you now. In fact, if you're a racist, the best thing for you to do or even have leanings towards that, you need to get up and leave now and you definitely need to turn off your TV now because once I show you this, you're in serious trouble. You're going to be in, I mean, you're going to be in deep water. In fact, you might get stricken with leprosy. You ready for this? Well, you have to come back because I'm out of time again. Thank you for checking out Fantline. Until next time, keep Jesus first and be transformed by the renewing of your minds.